Armstrong and Getty. No, it is the Armstrong and Getty Show. My name is Brett Winterbull, and I'll be sitting in for Jack and Joe for the next four hours, four glorious hours, where we're going to get to go over all the insanity and lunacy in a COVID world. So how's uh, how's the, the shutdown and the lockdown and the shelter in place and the stay-at-home orders going for you? It is uh, fascinating to think about. In the wake of the Iranian hostage crisis back in uh, 1979, thus was born Nightline that would go on for... Another 25 years after the freedom of those hostages uh, uh, was secured. I really hope that we don't have the COVID fight going on for another 25 or 30 years. Uh, Welcome and good morning. It is, by the way, it is Friday, and you've made it through another week. Can't wait to watch all the sports that are going to be... There's no sports on TV. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Do you know... That as we look at this coronavirus fight that we're in right now, the coronavirus fight, uh, the press conferences, the briefings, that has become sports. That's what happens. People like to dismiss sports in a normal, regular sort of environment where they say, okay, you know what, there's too much sports on TV. We are too focused on sports on TV. Well, what happens in a country as competitive as the United States is, is you have a situation where the politics just becomes sports. Usually you have uh, political fights and you have sports to kind of distract you from that. But instead now, the politics is the sports. Oh, don't think for a minute that's not the case. If there was any way that those bookmakers out in uh, in the U.K. and and offshore out there in, the, uh, in Costa Rica could take action on the over-unders on these press conferences, uh, over-unders on the runtime, over-unders on the question numbers, over-unders on whether or not uh, Jim Acosta is going to be obnoxious. Oh, they would figure out a way to monetize it. And that's why it's so important to uh, listen to these great shows like Armstrong and Getty, because we cut through all this, uh, this nonsense, right? Uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, we are all in this fight together. And let me start with something super important right out of the box. We are still not funding the Small Business Administration Paycheck Protection uh, Act that ran out of money yesterday. We blew through $350 billion in trying to protect and preserve our small businesses. Uh, We went right through that money. That money is gone. It's out the door. And now there is nothing in the cupboard. The cupboard is bare. And old Mother Hubbard, Nancy Pelosi, will not put any more money in there. What What are we going to do? And I want to talk to to you folks out there that are running small businesses right now. Who do you think is winning the the coronavirus fight? Who's winning the COVID fight? Uh, See, it's a trick question. It doesn't matter because your business is likely hit to the tune of 50, 60, 70, 80 percent. And you've got politicians fighting over whether we're going to have a new Green Deal or whether we're going to fund some other big program. We're going to do election vote by mail, uh, save the uh, save the pigeons in Belize, whatever it's going to be. And they don't care about you. And that's what is most important in this fight. You 
and, and your small businesses. Now, I do a radio show every afternoon from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time in Charlotte, North Carolina on the Blowtorch WBT. And we have been going into overdrive talking to the small business community in Charlotte. A community that has been affected negatively beyond belief. People are fighting for their lives. See, it doesn't matter what goes on on Capitol Hill until what goes on on Capitol Hill negatively affects your bottom line. 99 million small businesses in America today. 99 million small businesses in America today. By way of comparison, you have 76 million kids in school. But 99 million small businesses operating in this country, many of which, most of which, the vast majority of which, have been sidelined in this fight against COVID. Through no fault of their own, they've had to shut their doors, send people home, send people working remotely. They've had to figure out how to tap what's left of their 401ks, IRAs, and retirement accounts to try to keep their employees whole and moving forward. Remember, in the world of small business, the small business person gets paid last, if at all. And yet you have the spats and the fights going on in Washington, D.C. What, what, what is this? What is the purpose of government. You, you hear Jack and Joe talk about it all the time. You hear them talk about the fact that, look, most Americans just want to be left alone, left to their freedoms, left to their, their experiences, left to spend time with their families. We, we just don't want to spend months and months and months with our families cooped up in a house, unable to work. A- and yet the purveyors of panic, the anxiety, pandemic, that you're showing up on the cable channels. You're seeing it every single day. What do you see? You see reporters and anchors and politicians telling you, like the panicky loudmouth in a bad 1970s uh, airplane disaster film, running up and down the aisle screaming, oh my God, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. No, stop it. Don't be the panicky loudmouth. Don't be the panicky loudmouth. That's not what we want from our politicians. And in just moments, I'm going to share with you a piece of sound that is remarkable because the orientation towards what we're seeing in this COVID fight right now is is either toward more government or toward more government. We are living in a weird time. The vast majority of our overlords and rulers and state capitals in big city mayor's offices, in county commissioner's offices, in Washington, D.C., are as disconnected from you and I as a, as a telephone from the 1920s to the Internet. They have no sense of what to do. And you hear the old saw that says, we've got to do something. We've got to do something to stop this. No, no, no. Don't do something. Do the right thing. And that sounds cliche, but so much of what we're seeing from these scoundrels and ne'er-do-wells, from Nancy Pelosi's ice cream freezer to governors declaring that you may not buy seeds in Michigan and you may not run on the beach in California. And if you paddleboard, we'll send the SWAT team after you in Los Angeles. These are people drunk with power taking full advantage of selling the fear and the fright so that their power does not get questioned. Well, guess what we're going to do for the next three hours? 
three and a half, three and three quarter hours. We're going to question the power. We're going to call them out. We're going to make you laugh. Because remember, the world's greatest antidote to a bully or a cheesy, cheap politician drunk with power is to laugh at them. I'm Brett Witterbull. Thrilled to be here for Jack and Joe on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Brett Woodable keeping you company today on uh, the Armstrong and Getty Show. Great to be spending this time with you. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Winterble Show. That's Winter B-L-E Show. I've got a Facebook page as well. Just look for Brett Woodable Show. And I'm so happy to be uh, hanging out with the fine folks across this huge radio network and uh, enjoying my time. Normally, uh, I should say every single day of the week, you'll hear me in Charlotte on WBT uh, News Talk 110993, and I'm uh, a longtime friend and colleague, of course, of uh, of Armstrong and Getty, and I've enjoyed working with them in, in a variety of markets, including San Diego at KFMB. But let me let me go to this, all right? Because priorities in this COVID fight are are pretty clearly laid out, right? I told you, 99 million small businesses have taken the hit. Large businesses have taken the hit. And wait till I tell you in that next segment. What it is that has helped to drive down the Small Business uh, Paycheck Protection Fund. It's a kind of a fund, but not a fund you would expect would want to be tapping the Small Business Fund. Stick around for that. But first, what we're seeing in terms of the priorities are pretty clear. You're seeing a group of people who believe that the only answer for the COVID virus is not science or pharmaceutical companies. It's not doctors. It's not nurses. It's not frontline protectors. What it is, is government. We need more government, more strong, making you do what we say, pushing down your civil liberties government. That's the answer. That's the answer to everything. Terrorist attack, government. Earthquake, government. Tsunami, government. Pandemic, government. We just need more government. There was a time in the wake of the horrible shooting at Newtown in Connecticut, that, that, that's right, the Sandy Hook shooting, where uh, then-Vice President Joe Biden got in a room with the National Rifle Association representatives. And they were going toe-to-toe about what needed to happen next. Obviously, Joe was pushing for more gun control. He was saying, listen, we've got to get rid of these guns. And they were saying, yeah, but why don't you just enforce the laws that are on the books? That's what you have to do. And Joe Biden was reported as having said to, uh, to, 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 the, uh, to the representative, may have been Wayne LaPierre, I don't remember exactly who it was, but to that representative from the National Rifle Association at the White House, he said, we don't have time to enforce the old laws. We need new laws. What? What? We need new laws that we can enforce. We can't enforce the old laws. If anything speaks to you about the disconnect between people who believe in freedom, religious freedom, economic freedom, uh, the, the, the freedom of directing your, your future by your own hand and by your own will as ordained by the, the rights enshrined in the Constitution and the ideas in the Declaration of Independence, it's that notion that we don't have time for those old laws that we passed. We need new laws to control you. 
So last night, yesterday, Jim Messina, who was one of the architects of the Obama campaign and reelect uh, in 2012, sat down with Stephanie Rule. And Stephanie Rule is a, theoretically speaking, a business reporter at MSNBC, a business anchor at MSNBC. And they're talking about what is it that Joe Biden's got to do to get into the spotlight and get people to take him seriously as somebody who can fix these problems. What can Joe Biden do? So, of course, she proposes this to Jim Messina, which is a howler. Go. Should Joe Biden be counterprogramming that? Should he be creating his own shadow government, shadow cabinet, shadow SWAT team and getting up there at a podium every night saying, here's the crisis we're in. Here's what we need to do to address this. Should he form a shadow government? You know, that's very big over in England, right? You have the shadow government uh, where you have uh, a shadow prime minister. It's the it's the it's the, the, the party that's out of power. Right. So it would be a labor a leader. It would be a labor uh, education leader, a science leader, those sorts of people um, who, who would be uh, forming that shadow government. And they would be countering the, the government over there in the in the parliament. Right. Well, the reason why they have that institution is because at any moment that government could collapse and the other party could take over as a result of a snap election. So you have to have uh, people in, in backups and reserves to help continue to steward the government. That's not how it works here in the United States. We have one president at a time. We have one president at a time. And I love when elites in New York City prescribe the fix for you. For you, and the fix for you is, oh, Joe Biden needs to go get a shadow government. Go get a shadow vice president. Go get yourself a shadow secretary of defense. Go get yourself a shadow commerce secretary. I nominate Hunter Biden for that one. Um, but th- that's what we got to do. We just got to we got to create a government that looks like it's a real government, but it's not a real government. It's just we're going to go on TV. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to put these people on TV with you. The people are going to look at you and go, "You're running for president." That person, I don't know who that is. I remember them? Oh, there's Beto. What what are what are we gonna what are you gonna do with the shadow government? You have a government that's in power. Theoretically, you have the right to redress your grievances by uh, petitioning the government to change policies, by doing all those sorts of things. But when you go all Gretchen Widmer and uh, you, you tell people they got to stay in their houses, can't buy American flags in Michigan, can't travel between one home and your other home in Michigan while you're in quarantine, you can't buy American flags while you're under the lockdown and oh by the way i'm going to speak to these people in michigan sitting in a michigan state sweatshirt on my couch with lassie and a cup of earl gray tea telling you just what it is that you people need to do to finally understand that covid's important now the people understand that covid's important they understand it with every mortgage payment that's missed they understand it that Every every college tuition check that's not getting written. They know when they write those uh, checks for the credit card bills and the business loans. People understand. Come on, we're all in this together. But as George Orwell wrote back in Animal Farm, all pigs are equal. Just some pigs are more equal than other pigs. And the, the political folks at the trough are just more equal than you. But there's a crack showing here. Over on MSNBC, you got Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd does an interview with Hugh Hewitt. He's talking to Hugh Hewitt. This is cut 44. He's talking to Hugh Hewitt, and this is Chuck Todd's biggest concern, and I think he nails it. Go. I think that's what Democrats are calculating, that this is, this is you know, if you look at it through one eye, uh, it looks like they're holding up small business money. If you look at it through the other one, hey, governors are asking for their money. So 
I think that's what the Democrats are calculating. I don't know if that's coming to fruition. Though. I think that the small business money issue is something that's more front and center uh, with the public than the issue of reimbursing the states. And so I think that on a, on a perception marker here, sort of your, your short-term politics, I think the Republicans have the upper hand. Let me translate after draining the word bath he just gave you. What he's saying is Democrats seem to be more concerned about getting money to more politicians. The Republicans appear to be wanting to put more money in the hands of small business. In other words, one group wants to get money into the hands of politicians, and the other one wants to ensure that the people can continue to function with their businesses and companies. By the way, no American business owner would prefer to get a check from Governor Foghorn Leghorn than they, w- than they would to get a check from people that are buying their products and services. The fastest way to get the economy working is for businesses to be writing checks to employees who are doing work freely and fairly. Nobody's going to go to the ballot box and go, darn it, I'm voting against that Donald Trump. He denied Governor Cuomo money for, 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 uh, for a railroad. No, they're not going to do that. But they will go and say, I'm going to vote out Donald Trump because he didn't get the, the economy back up and running in time, and I lost my business. They're also not going to vote for Joe Biden because Joe Biden, Joe Biden is in that same trough of people like Nancy Pelosi and her ice cream stash looking to keep government fat and bloated. I'm Brett Witterbull. In for Jack and Joe on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Monday you should stay at home. Tuesday I will stay at home. Wednesday, Thursday, stay at home. It's Friday. I'm in clubs. Saturday the same Sunday my last new away It's Friday I'm in gloves What about the masks? What about the masks? Come on. What about the masks? I'm Brett Witterbull in for uh, Jack and Joe on the Armstrong and Getty Show. I, I, I got to confess to you something here, and I feel like we, we know each other well enough after 35 minutes of conversation uh, that I can share this with you. I attempted to shop in a mask yesterday. No, not, no, not, 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 a, not, a, not, a, not a mask. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, a mask mask, an approved mask. I, I, I tried to, I, I tried to uh, uh, shop at a local supermarket where I am, I'm, I'm in Charlotte. I'm heard on the afternoons here on WBT from three to six, and I, I tried to go shopping, and I found myself freaking out. I had a, I had a, sh- I had a mask panic attack. I, I, I didn't even, I could, the gloves and the mask would have put me overboard. So I'm walking down the aisles, and I find myself now. I'm breathing heavier than I normally would because it's about 117 degrees inside the mask. I'm also wearing glasses because I, you know, I like to read the back of the, the items I'm purchasing. Got to stay healthy in the era of COVID. And my glasses are fogging up. So I'm putting the, the glasses on the top of my forehead and I'm walking down the aisles. And then I realize where we are, there are arrows. You're supposed to go certain directions in certain aisles. You have to go. You have, this aisle is a north-south. That aisle is a south-north. And I started to walk down the aisle, I got four steps in. I was trying to buy my kids Pop-Tarts because, they're, they're, you know, they like Pop-Tarts. I took three steps into the aisle. At the other end of the aisle 
was, I think she was my playground monitor back in junior high school. She screamed at me from 70 feet down the aisle that I'm going the wrong way. Literally felt bullied. So I'm now I'm panicked. I'm heavy breathing. Now I'm heavy breathing worse. I feel like this, this old lady that, that I'm 70 feet from down the grocery aisle thinks I'm going to try to kill her with coronavirus. My glasses are fogging up. And I forgot which brand of, uh, of, of Pop-Tarts I'm supposed to get for my kids. This is terrible. So, like, the gloves, the masks, the gowns. I saw a guy yesterday going into Walmart wearing hip waders, but I think he was just going fishing. I, I don't know what exactly he was up to. But, you know, he had hip waders on. This is, this is not no, We have to remember that this, what we're experiencing, is not normal. And we have to remember the responsible party here. China. I mean, let's be honest. We, we have to remember why it is we're living like this. We are living in ma- masks. Like, I always, I'm going to be honest with you, I always would look at these uh, news stories coming out of, say, Beijing with horrible air pollution or, or some kind of a, uh, an, an epidemic and the people wearing the masks. And I always thought to myself, gosh, I am so glad we're not a mask country. I've always, in my mind, considered the mask to be like a symbol of failure, weakness, whatever you want to call it. I always felt like, you know, that's for that's not that's not going to happen here. We don't wear those masks. Now everybody's wearing masks. And then you watch the press conferences in the afternoon with guys like uh, Andrew Cuomo. And he has to, like, specify you need a mask, but you don't really need a mask. You can put a rag. You can put a towel. Bring the ascots back from the 1960s uh, 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 and 70s, like a hip swinging kid in a Nehru jacket. You know, gra- gra- grab the put, put the ascot, pull the ascot over your face. Is, this is this is America today, right? So, so just to go back to something here, it's very important. I mentioned this, and I want to pay it off because I know up and down the line there are people saying, "Brett, you mentioned why did the small business funds get drained so quickly?" Well, hold on to your seat. Do you know that when those paycheck protection funds went into uh, that SBA program? For $359 billion. Do you know who it is that has been applying for those funds? Hedge funds. No, no, you heard me. You, you heard me. Hedge funds. Hedge funds have been applying for the small business relief funds. Now you're saying to yourself, now hold on, wait a minute, that's insane. These hedge funds, they're worth billions of dollars, sometimes tens of billions of dollars. These are big time financial instruments that have piles of cash standing around. Yep, they do. And then you're asking the second question. Why would they need to go get government funds if they're hedge funds? Aren't they hedging against a collapse like this? Don't they have money? Good question. Well, it turns out there's a loophole inside the paycheck protection stuff. And this was reported by Bloomberg, not Mike, but the Bloomberg News. Bloomberg News reported two days ago, you can go Google it if you want, that hedge funds were being advised by these uh, shady law firms, these fly-by-night law firms that were showing up all over the place saying, hey, we can get you the maximum payout from the SBA funds for your hedge fund. Why? Small businesses in America, according to this SBA program, are defined as fewer than 500 employees. Most hedge funds, you've got uh, the receptionist, you've got the trade assistant, 
You've got the geeky quants in the back room calculating the numbers. You've got a trader. It's like, I don't know, maybe you're running an operation that's got five, ten people in it. That's a small business. Bye. That's practically mom and pop. You're living hand to mouth. So they qualify as a small business because they're fewer than 500 employees. Guess what the other thing is? The other thing is they've been negatively affected by the economic downturn. Okay, go see my earlier comment about, aren't you a hedge fund? Like, don't you exist to make smart position plays so that you're not going to get wiped out because you're a hedge fund? Hedge funds have been applying for this. And I'm talking about people to the tune of billions of dollars in assets and reserves. That's just flat wrong. That's just flat wrong. The quicker we get this system open, up and running, the better off we're going to be. The better off we're going to be. Why? Even Joy Behar. We'll go to cut number 40 next. Even Joy Behar. She's stuck as a shut-in in her home, having to participate on The View as if she was somebody in a Brady Bunch square on a Zoom meetup. Joy Behar. Cut number 40, she's angry that some of you people in Michigan went and protested the lockdown out there because you want to get back to work. Here's what Joy Behar's message is for you. Cut 40, go. I'd like to ask them if they're willing to sign away their right to treatment if and when they get infected. Are you going to say, okay, I don't need a ventilator because I thought I should go out and defy the governor's order? Okay, and and I'd like to know if people are in states that are following the guidelines, like people like us in New York, can be sure that these people don't come here. We don't want you people here. Boy, that's tolerant. See, this is vintage, angry, shut-in. Used to be byproducts on talk radio. Like once upon a time, you'd get calls like that on talk radio. Because her setup question, give me just give me the first, uh, uh, Mike. Give me the, the first. Ten seconds of the bite again, because this is the best. Cut 40, go. I'd like to ask them if they're willing to sign away their right to treatment. Okay, stop it. Win- what do you mean, willing to sign away your right to treatment? Where, where, how do you even do that? Joy, if I wanted to do that, like, how do I actually, is there an office I go to and say, I'm going to go out protesting today to get back to work. I'd like to sign away my right to treatment. Who do I see? I can't even get a COVID test. I'm going to sign away my right to treatment? What is wrong with you? I know what's wrong with you. She's got, she's got shutdown derangement syndrome. That's what she's got. She's got shutdown derangement syndrome, which the acronym for that is SHOULDS. She feels like that she should be able to go outside, and you people ought to be locked up because she's from New York. I'm Brett Witterbull, in for Jack and Joe on the Armstrong and Getty Show, back right after this. And I am Brett Witterbull, in for Jack and Joe on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Happy to be spending this time with you. I can't believe we're already finally staring at another weekend coming and going. Uh, got big plans? I'm thinking about going into the dining room this weekend. It's been a couple of weeks since I went into the dining room. I'm also thinking about maybe taking a, uh, a check-in on the uh, in the crawl space uh, uh, down below the house. 
No, I, I like I like to do that just just once a month, you know, just to kind of spice things up as we are all uh, uh, confined. I am Brett Woodable. Uh, you hear me uh, uh, on WBT in Charlotte. The Blowtorch WBT just had her 98th birthday, and I think the. I think she's looking pretty good for 98, I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Somebody who I had totally forgotten about is Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp wants to try to bring this country back. He's got a message of hope, I tell you. He does. He went and he got on the Insta. They're on the Instagram, wants to keep you people and me people and we people fired up, understanding what's at stake here in this beautiful country of ours. Here's Johnny Depp with his message of hope. Go. I know for the moment it feels like... Both of our hands are tied behind our backs, and to some degree, they are. But our minds are unbound, and our hearts are not chained, and we can care. And through caring, we will help each other, and we will prevail. Wow. That's Churchillian. I mean... That's got me, my heart is palpitating. I, I'm so excited to hear, what was that? Can we get a welfare check on Johnny Depp? I, I'm dead serious. I'm hearing him do this, and I'm hearing shades of Marlon Brando as Colonel Kurtz in the uh, in Apocalypse Now, talking, uh, rocking the mic about uh, you know fighting out in the jungle. What, was he trying to, what is this? You know, there was that time, and God rest his soul, because there was nobody as big a star as Elvis Presley, and maybe there will never be one like him. But there was that day that Elvis Presley decided he wasn't taken off the jumpsuit. He was going home in the jumpsuit. He was living in the jumpsuit. He was working with the nunchucks uh, there in the uh, in the backyard, eating fried peanut butter and and uh, uh, banana sandwiches. Uh, there was a time when Elvis became the king, and, and he and he became the king, and he stayed the king. There was that time when the original Superman decided he's just going to keep wearing the Superman suit. Like that's just that's it. It's called Tuesday, and he's in the house, and he's wear, he's got the Superman suit on. There's a problem with these actors when they try to step out of themselves, and it's such a unique skill set. It's it's why the great ones are able to kind of pull it off. That that is that is a very late forgotten version of Captain Jack Sparrow. The only thing missing was a uh, was a growler of rum in his hand and a headband. I got it. Hold on. Let me let me think about this, uh, Mike. Let me think about. Uh, let me hear forty eight. I just want to hear it again because I'm wondering if I'm missing something in the Johnny Depp message of hope. Uh, uh, Johnny, Johnny Depp, cut 48, go. And I know for the moment it feels like both of our hands are tied behind our backs. And to some degree, they are. Wow. But our minds are unbound, and our hearts are not chained. And we can care. And through caring, we will help each other. And we will prevail. That is just, that is literally, he's saying nothing. Nothing is being said there. You know what I think has happened to poor Johnny Depp? He has picked up this 
this sort of vibe that we're getting from politicians that are out there where they say things that don't mean anything, but they sound like they're meaningful. Here, let me give you a great example. Right here in North Carolina, Governor Roy Cooper, cut number 42. He, they've gotten into this word speak, these governors, these medical directors about curves and flattening and flattening the curve. And we're making progress because the curve is flatter and we have more people dying, but the curve is flatter over a longer period of time. They think they're telling you what's really happening here. Here's Cut 42. This is Governor Roy Cooper, Democrat from North Carolina, talking to Chris Hayes last night. Let's see if he makes more sense or less sense than Johnny Depp go. We have taken strong action here in our state to flatten the curve. We pulled together our public health team with our emergency response team, and we have treated this as an emergency, and we have succeeded. But essentially, the the plan today gave us some guidelines, and, and that's positive. But it says, essentially, Governor, it's your responsibility. Well, we already knew that. Uh, we took action very early uh, to try to thwart this virus and to slow the spread in our respective states, and we've been successful. If he, was, if he were unshaven, unkempt, with a headband, an eye patch, and a gold earring, a little more growly-voiced, he'd be basically saying the same message as, as Johnny Depp, that it feels like our hands are tied by the virus, but our hearts are unbound. Feels like we're not making any progress, but we've got meetings with people, and, well, we're going to make a decision one day, and at some point, you will be free. See, it's, it's an official-sounding statement that doesn't really say anything. That's the key takeaway from what we've been seeing take place over these many weeks and couple of months. You've got politicians who have finally figured out how to hack the system so well that they're able to express deep concern with no solution. With absolutely no solution. And I know why that is. It's because we're sitting in a world today where there is no beginning point, no middle point, and no end point. We are perpetually, as we wake up, every day in the middle. We are. Think about the the big awful things that have happened in our lifetimes. Uh, The Kennedy assassination. Uh, uh, Certainly the deaths of Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert Kennedy. Uh, John Lennon, 9-11, the mortgage meltdown, Katrina, you name it. Go down the line. Each of those events has a discernible beginning, middle, and end. You say, wow, this just happened. This is happening. This has happened. And then we move on with our lives to move forward. But what we are in right now is we're sitting in essentially a four-month tornado that just doesn't stop. It just doesn't stop. So we're in the middle of it. These people come out and they give press conferences and they tell you, we're going to open soon, and when we do, we're going to be careful. And we're going to be different, and you'll never shake hands again, and you'll not be able to go to a concert until we have a vaccine sometime in mid-2027. But until then, you need to be prepared to wear a mask. Here's the deal. There's exactly one group of people, one group of people, who have not had to alter their behavior. Number one, politicians. They continue to get unfettered access to the media, to to message out to you, to tell you, the end is coming, the end is coming, and never really be held to account. Never be held to account. When reporters ask, well, when is the economy going to open? 
We'll, we'll open it when the time is right, and we'll do it in a careful way. They'll Johnny Depp you. They're going to Depp you. They sure are. So the politicians give you these words that don't mean anything. And then what do you get on the other side? You get weird solutions. Five people can go in a store. Two people can go into a shop. But, but, as many as you want can go buy marijuana. As many as you want can go and, and, and do this or that. But one thing is consistent throughout, and this is vitally important. One group of people has not had to alter their behavior at all. And do you know who it is? It's not you, the taxpayer, not you, the business owner, not you, the citizen, not you, the rule follower. It's the criminals. The criminals have been free to go about their business. Look, six months ago, if you walk down the street with a bandana over your face, you're going to get stopped by the cops. Now... If you're walking down the street with a bandana over your face, you might be grandma going out to get a box of Bisquick. Or you might be Steve going out to pull a stick up. But the cops are not going to be able to discern because everybody's got a mask now. And what's even worse is these cheap, cheesy politicians have made decisions to let criminals out of jail under the guise of, we don't want them getting COVID in jail. So we'd rather them go free on the street. Well, when they're free on the streets... They're going to have to get back to business, and you're going to be the victim. In moments, we'll be joined by a district attorney who's going to warn you about the looming three strikers. I'm Brett Witterbull, in for Jack and Joe on the Armstrong and Getty Show.